Dr. Zubov comes so far from America. Today we are followers of Jesus. And the great man Jesus, who had great power from God, would go from village to village to village. And he would help people. If they were sick, he would touch their body. And they would be healed. We want to be like Jesus. We too have gone from village to village. And we too, using medicine and God's power, ask healing. It is our honor to be here today. We look forward to helping you. But please remember that everything we do, we do in the name of Jesus. I will be walking through the village with Shebu. I look forward to greeting you. And I'd like to tell you stories. Also, I want to thank your chief. I met him the other day. He is a very good leader. He cares about his people. And allowed the doctors to come today. So you are blessed. I think it would be very good today as we start to ask God's blessings on our day. So I'd like to lead in prayer now. Let's pray together. Jesus, we come in your mighty name. And we are blessed to stand on this ground. We thank you for these people, for this village, and for this chief. We thank you for the doctors who have come. We pray your blessings on them. May they have much wisdom and help many people in the powerful name of Jesus. We pray your peace on this thing. May you be with us as we help people. And again, we thank you for the honor of being here. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, I am uh, 
thrilled to be here. Um, I would definitely like to thank all of you um, and Dwayne for including me in this in this trip. Um, as usual, uh, I feel like I received much more than I gave um, on trips like this. But I want to take just a couple of minutes and talk about the, the medical aspects of the trip. Um, even before we left, God uh, had been showing his provision and his uh, preparation for us. Um, one of the last weeks that I, I taught Sunday school here, class uh, gave me a, a gift of some money intended to use for our trip. Um, and I, I took that card and I, I kind of stuck it on my dresser and I didn't, didn't really think much about it until uh, a couple of weeks before the trip. And we were kind of preparing and, and getting together the, the medicine we would need. And so I had a pharmacist friend uh, who had ordered the medication we would need and, and didn't really think much about, you know, exactly how much it was going to cost and, and all of that. And uh, he calls me and he says, it's going to be $472. And I said, okay, we'll bring the medicine to church Wednesday and I'll bring the money. And uh, I got the envelope out Monday or Wednesday night as I was getting ready to go to church. And I counted it for the first time and there were $470. Um, now... And it, it seems it seems like a, a small thing, um, but but the thing that I, I thought about is if if God was was orchestrating that detail, if, if He is planning and preparing something like that, which which could have easily been dealt with with our own resources, you know, even even kind of. I don't know to arrogantly sound like without his help, but but I mean, you understand what I'm saying. It was something where, you know, you could have gathered up the money. But if he's doing that, how much more is he preparing and 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 orchestrating the details of all the things that are that are so completely out of our control? Um, so it's it's an encouraging thing. But um, anyway, just a couple of minutes to talk about about what we did medically. Um, we spent about six days doing clinic um, much different from what what I'd call clinic here. Um, most days we saw around 130 patients. And, and, you know, with that many people through the course of the day, it's hard to spend large amounts of time with any one person. Um, but we were able to help them with what seemed their most pressing problems and, and also able to pray with, with every patient. Um, one of my favorite passages of scripture is in John chapter nine, when Jesus heals a blind man and the disciples say, well, whose sin caused his blindness? Was it his sin or his parents? And Jesus replies that it was not the result of his sin or his parents sin, but it was to display the work of God. Um, and so I would pray with these patients that that their illnesses and their pain and all of that would be uh, an encounter that they would. Uh, it would be a way that God would, would begin to show them who he was and to reveal himself to them to display his work in their life. Uh, most of the people that we saw had relatively simple problems from you and I's uh, perspective. Uh, they would have things like headache and joint pains and uh, heartburn and, and things that you and I would probably just go to your medicine cabinet or, or go to CVS and buy. You know, you, you wouldn't go see the doctor about. Um, but, you know, in the African bush, um, they don't have a medicine cabinet and they don't they don't have a Walgreens. Um, they didn't have ibuprofen or Tylenol. Um, and, and even though we had those simple things, we could give them to them, but they would only last for a while. Um, and then there were some people who had problems that were clearly well beyond what we could deal with or manage. 
Um, some had problems that would require tests and procedures that we just couldn't do in the bush. And, and even if we were in the city, wouldn't have access to. Um, we saw babies like you saw in the slideshow who were malnourished and uh, certainly not to the scale that they're probably experiencing in some other parts of Mali. And I don't know if Dwayne's had a chance to share some of that with you, but um, uh, certainly we saw some kids who, who their biggest problem was they just did not have enough food. Uh, and, and here's where I found myself mostly getting more than I gave. Um, these trips are always uh, good at reminding me who provides healing and who provides the resources and who is the author and the sustainer of life. Uh, when I'm at my office and I don't know what's going on with a patient, I have lots of options. You know, I can order tests and I can do x-rays and I can send people to consultants who are smarter than me. And, and uh, all of that stuff is at my fingertips um, and I can prescribe medicines and, and I can easily get those things. And it's so easy to get fooled into confidence in those things. But I was reminded on this trip, as I have been on other trips, that when you get to the African bush and you're stripped of all that, you have this acute awareness of the need to trust in Jesus and not in medicine. And there were many times I would be frustrated and fatigued um, at, at what seemed like this endless battle against disease and poverty and sin and sickness and the darkness that just covers the area. Um, but there was a, a passage in Revelation that, that gave me hope in those moments. And I, I shared it with the team on the last morning in, our, in the village. And I'm going to leave you with that. Um, it's Revelation chapter 5. And, and John is describing the scene in heaven. Um, and he, he talks about an angel standing with the scroll that, that will announce the final defeat of Satan. And no one is found to open the scroll. And John begins to weep. And there were many times during the course of that week where I felt that way, that, that this agonizing desire for a rescuer. But I want you to hear the hope that's there. So then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne, a scroll written within and on the back sealed with seven seals And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And here's here's the hope. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. He has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw the lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns, with seven eyes, which were the seven spirits of God sent out into the earth. And he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him seated at the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, holding, each holding a harp and golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals for you were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed people for God 
from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. And then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. And so um, why they let me go along on these, I don't know. I guess because I'm willing. But anyway, it is such a privilege to um, get to go on a mission trip. And um, this trip was a little bit different for all of us, and I'm going to give you why. And since Matt didn't cover a lot of um, detailed medical things, there are a lot of things that I wrote down that I'm thankful for, and it was because of things that we saw while we were there. Um, But first of all, the call to Africa. You know, we've been before. We've been to Mali. We've been with Judy Miller. Um, But she is uh, what I would call a facilitator. She's the one who gets a call and says, okay, dinners are coming. Can someone come and help? And that's how Judy Taylor and I got started. And we have some people here tonight uh, from Metropolis who got the call this time to go help the dentist because we already had this trip planned. But she called and she said, I have a church in Georgia, Bainbridge Church, First Baptist Church, Bainbridge, and they have, um, they're an engaging church. That means they've adopted a specific people group, and that people group is a Sanufo, and that's who we went to minister to. We had not been to any of, we visited three villages. We had not been to these villages before, but they had adopted uh, Simon Peter. His real name is Zanny, and... Um, he is the believer, he and his family, in that village. And um, did you see the little church? Their, their church has paid for that little building, and they called it a learning center because people might take offense if they called it a church. Um, and they have been many times, and it just amazed me at the outpouring of love. We think we like going, and it is good. It's you just become back so enriched to see how happy they are with so little and how much we have and all the problems we have, how unhappy we are. But um, these women thoroughly love this people group, and they have been back and been back, and their church sends teams and supports. But this time, they've been praying. This team is an answer to prayer. They have been praying for a medical team to come and make an impact on this village because there's so much they can do. There's only so much they can do. So we got the call. Do you want to be part? Do you want to be the medical end of reaching this church's engaged people group? And so we did. So usually Judy Taylor plans our trip and does all that and makes it real easy on us. Well, these ladies planned the trip. We didn't know them, but we got emails before we went. We met up with them in Paris. 
and they are wonderful women who dearly love these people. And the, it was neat to see that the people recognized them, knew their love because they keep coming back and doing something for them. But not just doing things for them, but loving them in the name of Jesus. And they, everything they do, they, they give honor and glory to him. And so it was good to go to a village where work is already being done, um, that there's already a pastor and his family. And we hope that um, because of us going and doing what we did, that it will make an impact. And they will see um, this believer not as just a believer leading a different life than anyone else, but that the people who love him and came and are helping him, that it will make them want to be a believer as well, that they will see Jesus in this man and that they will come to know him too. So um, that's why we go. Um, And uh, just a few things. um, While we were there, um, it made me so thankful for little bitty things that we take for granted all the time, just like to have two legs. Well, we don't think much about that, but when I saw a man that had this huge crutch that looked, well, it was just shaped in a V and then this big pole coming out of it. That was his crutch. And then the other arm, he walked with a cane. And why he would even physically try to carry that around, I don't know. And I'm thankful for just modern medicines and simple things like Matt said he took that were just creams. It was one little boy had a ringworm gone bad and his arms and legs and top of his hands were just covered from the scratching and stuff he had done, and um, he was just covered, and it was going to take forever to clear this up. Another little girl came with a burn, and it was already getting infected, and if Matt hadn't scraped her wounds, and of course we had to hear her cry because that hurt, but she probably would have lost that arm or possibly her life because of infection. And then, of course, I'm thankful for healthy kids and healthy grandkids. Um, We saw a little girl. It wasn't the one that there was a picture of, but... Um, we saw a little girl that was three months old, a baby, who probably looked like a preemie or did look like a preemie. And she had been a twin. And I'm thankful because I have twin granddaughters. And we didn't consider the cost. You know, everything turned out okay for us. But this one twin was lost, and here was one that looked like it was going to not be, there, be around either. Unless, and here's the good news, the money, we charged 60 cents. For them to see a doctor. Then we went back at the end of the week and it added up to what was 700 and some odd dollars. But we told the chief, we want this to go. There is a feeding program that Judy Miller will make sure it gets to nutritional things so that these types of children, and that wasn't all the children, that they will get fed. And eyes. You know, we saw lots of children, as you saw in that picture, Ben, saw children that uh, had eyes, and, and we could not help, but she did pray, and that was wonderful to hear the sweet prayers. And as you saw, lots of the pictures, there was, we, I had never been there when there was a dust storm, I've heard of that, but one day, it was so dusty, it blocked out the sun, and that night blocked out the moon. And uh, so thankful for homes that keep out that kind of stuff. Um, and... Um, I thank God that I can bend over, that I can read, that uh, there's just so many things that my body will do and most of these people just because of the con- that it's just a hard life that they can't do. 
So um, anyway, those are just a few of the things that I came back thankful for. Bo- food that makes my body work. A lot of the problems that Matt saw, it was just because of the dry. They didn't drink enough water because water wasn't available. They only ate rice, and you know what that does to your body. If you don't drink and you eat the same thing all the time, your body doesn't function correctly. Um, and that I can afford glasses, and you know, simple thing like glasses that we just take for granted. Um, and again, Dwayne mentioned this morning, and I'm going to end on this, how the, the young man that, you, that was here this morning and was saved and how God orchestrated all of that in his timing. And I was so worried because I carried the food over, food for our lunches. And that may not seem like a big deal, but um, sometimes our food, once you've eaten theirs enough, just tastes good and makes your body work. But I was so frustrated because I kept looking for things that I thought I had packed. And I said, well, I guess it's sitting at home. I guess it's sitting at home. Well, the Lord, I don't know why I stewed over that. And that goes, again, like Matt said, just how he orchestrates these little bitty details. We didn't need that because we were given more chickens and more rice and more potatoes out of thankful hearts that week. And they cooked not only lunch but supper. And sometimes it wasn't what we wanted But we were fed, and a lot of them aren't. So God knew that we didn't need all that stuff that I had left behind. So um, it's it's just uh, really neat to see how great our God is, as that song said, because he really is. And he takes care of every step that we make when we go. Again, it is an honor to be here and to share. Um, I'm not a good public speaker because I get a little emotional, so you have to forgive me. But I do want to thank the church. Um, we could feel your prayers. There were so many times that your hand of protection was over us, that uh, things could have turned out bad. We could have had some issues, but God was there to protect us, and we felt your prayers, and we appreciate that. We also, I also am so thankful for a church that has leadership that sees the value in missions, whether it be local or whether it be around the world. Um, Judy Miller would have loved to kept Dwayne over there. He is an A number one storyteller. Um, in fact, she wanted him to stay and train all her other storytellers. He is excellent. And uh, he, uh, he was able to share so many stories, which was just his cup of tea. He got to do what he wanted to do this week. Nan was a fabulous optician. She fit over 800 pair of glasses. And uh, uh, in six clinic days, and uh, uh, she is, uh, definitely has a servant's heart. Um, Matthew 5.16 speaks to me, and it says, In the same way, let your light shine before men, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. And again, we come tonight not to show you any works that we have done, but we want to show you what we were able to do through God, and so that he could receive glory from the events that we did this past, for the couple weeks. Um, I also want to thank for uh, the families, uh, for my family, uh, for my husband who supports going on these trips. We know of, uh, we thank for Dave Winkleman, who was willing to be our driver back and forth, who gave two days of his time. We couldn't have made it there and back without you. And as Nan said, Judy Miller, um, I'm so thankful that God calls people to be facilitators for groups like us where we can go 
she, the trip can only be as successful as the work that's done on the other end of it. She takes care of the details. She is one organized woman. And because of her, we were able to be efficient. And we were able to do the things that God had planned for us to do that, that week. Um, I do want to mention, um, Nan was talking about these two little ladies from Bainbridge, Georgia. I also want to add that these ladies were 67, 68, um, and they had more energy than I could ever dream of. They would have danced all night to the balafone players had we let them. Um, but uh, so uh, uh, the adage of uh, I'm too old to go, too old to do uh, doesn't hold water. Um, and they had made probably somewhere between eight and ten trips in the past five years to Africa. And Africa is a long way away. It's a hard trip uh, as far as just physically. When we got there, we did drive about seven, eight hours out into the bush. And um, as Matt said, we were able to do six different clinic days. Uh, we actually were blessed to be able to do an extra day because the day we were planning on coming back, the runway had been closed for repairs. So we knew ahead of time. So we were able to be able to make arrangements to go to another village, which was we don't know exactly who specifically God wanted us to touch that day, but we know that there was some reason that we were there for that extra day. So we were able to do six clinic days, and uh, we were able to see about 500 vision patients that week. Uh, Matt saw about 800 uh, physical illnesses. Um, we had a lot of medicine donated. Uh, I had about $20,000 worth of eye drops that were donated um, that we were able to share with the people. Um, so many of the problems that these people faced were just strictly environmental. Um, as Matt said, they had back aches uh, because they work hard. Uh, they had uh, gastrointestinal issues because, as Nan said, their diet was bad. Um, they had eye issues because of the sunlight, the ultraviolet. They had such dense cataracts. If you were over 45, you expected to see really dense cataracts. Um, they had eyes that were red and itchy. It was funny. Um, we would have an interpreter. And within this people group, there are about 18 different dialects. So the interpreters that we took, often we would say, something to them like, how may I help you? What kind of problems are you having? And that interpreter would then speak for about five minutes in some language we didn't understand. Then they would turn to another village person who actually spoke that language, and they would talk about another five minutes, and then they would talk to the patient. After about ten minutes of conversation, we would get their eyes were red, they were watery, and they were itchy. We did that 500 times. <laughs> And in multiple languages um, with the same kind of thing. Matt said he got the same thing. He'd do the same 10-minute interpretation, and it would be my back aches, uh, you know, my tummy hurts, that type of thing. Um, but it was a wonderful time to be able to work with these people. Um, as you could see, a lot of people loved their glasses. They were proud of them. We were so thrilled to be able to, to provide those for them. Uh, some, it was just a cosmetic thing. Some of them just really wanted to look cool. They'd paid their 60 cents, and they wanted something to show for it. And we gave out glasses to people that did not necessarily need glasses, but they wanted something. If nothing else, it was going to keep the sand out of their eyes, which that alone was going to be an awesome thing. Um, the one little boy that had the special needs child that did the pedal cart, you don't think about it, but the dust, he's down there on ground level pedaling. We gave him a cool pair of sunglasses and a strap, a croaky strap, to hold them up. He felt like he was 10 feet tall. 
He did not feel like a special needs child. He had a smile. The chiefs, we tried to make sure they got some extra cool sunglasses. We wanted them to feel special. Uh, there were some people that had lost a lot of uh, trauma, a lot of injuries. Uh, some had a simple infection that you and I would just go get some antibiotic eye drops and put in you know, four times a day for seven days. They had lost vision from. And so uh, with a lot of the antibiotics, we were able to give the antibiotics to say, if your child gets an eye infection, use this, preventative things. Uh, no, it won't last forever, but uh, in some small way, hopefully there may have been some child uh, or some adult that we were able to save the vision and, and hopefully improve the quality of life. Um, as the video showed, before every clinic, Judy Miller would give them the directions of how this is going to work. And uh, she was our front desk person, and she had the, did the crowd control. And then again, as you saw Dwayne, uh, I'm so glad we were able to show that, show Dwayne blessing the village and explaining to them that the reason we were there was because we were Jesus followers. Um, also, again, as Nan said, we were there because we were friends of the two, the two old white ladies. Now, that was a term of endearment to call them old white ladies. Um, because, again, we were building relationships with, with that village and uh, between those ladies. And, again, hopefully in some way we were able to maybe lessen the persecution that those villagers that were believers um, were, uh, would, would experience uh, by uh, letting them see that Jesus' followers were not evil people, that we were there full of love. Um, as Nan said, also, all the money that was collected was given back to the people. We did not keep one single penny. And, uh, uh, but it hopefully will provide some health care for some of the more needy people. Um, I think also we were there because two of our interpreters were non-believers. They heard the Jesus stories over and over. They interpreted them. They interpreted the prayers. And they know the truth. Uh, these are educated young Africans, and they could make a world of difference in their communities. And I think we were there because we were there to minister to them. And hopefully at some point they will come to that point where they will accept Jesus. I think we were also there for Judy Miller. This, um, we think of uh, uh, missionaries having it all together. She does. But she was also a little discouraged. Uh, she is a single woman. There was another good friend who was a missionary on the field who's back here for three months on furlough. She's over there kind of by herself. Three of her best journey ladies, uh, the young college girls that go over and spend a couple uh, years giving their time, um, she had just put three of her favorites on the plane, and they were back home. So she was feeling kind of alone. So we came at a good time to be able to share some laughs, share some stories, and hopefully encourage her. And uh, I do ask that you continue to pray for her and her ministry. Uh, probably just the traveling is the most hazardous thing you could possibly do over there. You'll be going 80 miles down the road and you'll have to break for sheep and lamb and goats and donkeys and cows and who knows what's out in your way. Um, it's just a dangerous place to drive. And uh, um, so she needs our prayers of protection. Um, one thing it's always amazing. I felt like I was in kind of the middle of a National Geographic special. You know, you look around, you see these things, and you can think, how can I possibly be so privileged to be able to experience this? And, uh, and, and it brought to mind when we were outside, the weather this time. I was so thankful. I prayed for cooler weather or for God to keep my thermostat under control. Um, and so God just cooled the whole country down. Um, it was, one night it got down as low as 60 degrees. 
And the Africans were wearing coats. We had a fire, and we had our jackets on. We were sitting around the fire. And as you can see, Simon Peter with his coat, they wore their coats during the days. It, got, uh, it was probably 85 to 95 during the day. And for them, it was very cool. And so many of them wore their coats during the day. There was one baby that we saw that was buck naked except for a winter coat. <laughs> you know, that, you know, they didn't think anything about it at all. But uh, um, they, like I said, God just cooled the, co- the whole country down. So it was, it was amazing how his hand was at work. But laying out there, we slept, some of us slept out in those little individual tents. They were kind of like mosquito net, fish net kind of things. And we got to have our little mats and our little sheets and our little fleece blankets. And, uh, you know, you stare up at the stars on those, few ni- on those nights where the, the dust storm had let up. And uh, you just look at the lights. And God brought to mind Psalms 19. And it says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky proclaims the work of His hands. Day after day they pour out speech. Night after night they communicate knowledge. Their message has gone out to all the earth, and their words to the ends of the inhabited world. And I just pray that those we touched that week through the clinic or through Dwayne's stories or through the words of those few brave believers in those villages or through dreams and visions, because we know God is still working through dreams and visions, not only there but here, and or through God's glorious creation. We just pray that they may seek him because we know they'll find him. Thank you so much, ladies. Well, again, as you've heard, my my responsibility, my responsibility was telling the stories. And I'd done this some before in Africa, but this time it was my job. I had my own interpreter. Um, I found out when I got there, I was the old man. Um, delays rolled with me, but I was the old man. So I got to greet everybody as my responsibility to do all that. Ask blessings on the day. And then I just took off and we just went around the individual compounds, visiting with people, uh, much like, again, you would do in the 1950s. You'd see someone, a neighbor sitting on the porch, you just go up and share, sit down and chat a while. That's what we would do. We'd go up and share and chat, ask how the family was, how they slept that night, how was their children. And then we would either lead directly into a story from that um, or we'd ask to pray for the children. That was a favorite thing to do uh, in way of getting it in to tell a story about Jesus Christ. And uh, as you can see from the pictures, the need there is so great. Um, the one guy that was listening to a story answered so many very good questions. Um, but then after the story, you know, said, would you pray for my wife? I really believe she's demon possessed. And um, so we went and got her name was Hawa. And I want you to write that name down in your mind or on a piece of paper, Hawa. And um, like I say, about a week before our arrival, just like that, um, she just turned despondent. She quit caring for the family. Um, she quit cooking food. And I said, Hawa. And she wouldn't even look at me. I said, Hawa, look at me. And she finally looked up at me. I said, how do you feel, Hawa? And she goes, empty. Empty. And I don't know if it's demon possession. I don't know if it's some kind of a massive depression. I don't know. But we prayed for her in the name of Jesus Christ. That if it was a demon, that it would be removed from her in the powerful name of Christ. And that if it was depression, that God reached down and healed. And I don't know if he's done that yet or not, but I believe he will. And so be praying for this lady named Hawa. Um, we, we met several men who I would look in their eyes and I would say, um, have you ever heard of this man named Jesus? And they would say, no, no. 
And um, again, that's something new for me. Usually because most people are stronger Muslims, they've heard the prophet Jesus. But a lot of these people had not heard of Jesus Christ. And so we prayed and told stories. You heard in the introduction that we did there at that village, we really stressed what we want to leave with them is in the name of Jesus. A great man named Jesus with great power from God. And then in the name of Jesus, we do what we do. Um, we talked to one lady who had two orphan grandchildren and prayed for her and the children. One man brought his crying infant out who was mal- malnourished and sick and had been to the doctor. And um, so he showed me the medicine. Old Dr. Taylor, you know, looked at him as amoxicillin. I said, I know that one. I said, this is good medicine. It will kill the germs uh, inside your baby. Be sure and give him the medicine just like the doctor prescribed. And, and, they, and I said, I'd like to pray for your child. And, and he allowed me to do that, of course. And we prayed for the, ch- for the child that day. And uh, then he went inside and brought back a thousand CFA note, um, two dollars, two dollars. And um, and said, this is a gift for you. And, of course, I said, no, keep that to raise your family. That what we do in the name of Jesus. But he had so little, but he's just appreciative that someone would pray for his child. That's incredible. Or how about a widow lady that's raising five kids? Her husband had died. And um, all I did was tell a story and pray for her family. And she goes out and catches a chicken and gives me one of her chickens to take back for the team to share. That's the generosity. That's the quality of people that we're talking about we're dealing with. And they don't know Jesus because so many of them have never heard. Um, In this part of Mali, it's largely the animistic religion. They're marginally Muslim. Okay, one gentleman, as you saw, said, I am a Muslim, but mostly they were Muslim in name. But most of them still practice the animistic religions. You see around the babies, you would see um, cords with beads tied to them. And those were trinkets given by the witch doctors to ward off evil spirits. But I tell you that to tell you this, that right now in southern Mali, the doors open. I don't know how long Islam is coming in from the north, as you know, in Niger. It's a whole different ball game. When you story in this year, you really don't tell stories of Jesus. You tell stories of Abraham because they just don't have the same picture of Jesus. And you've got to build a strong relationship before you start teaching them about who Jesus is and how he's the son of God. But as you move further south, there's that open door. And I don't know how long that door is going to be open. But I, I think God spoke to my heart and, and to our hearts and to G. Miller's heart and to Bainbridge's heart and other hearts that while the doors open, we need to do as much as we can to share the name of Jesus Christ with these people. As you saw, Bainbridge was, in, Bainbridge was in this one village and went back four months later and a mosque was built. That's how quickly the Muslims pick up on this and move in to villages when they understand that Christ is being taught. So it's an incredible privilege to go and tell the stories of Jesus. Uh, they're an oristic uh, culture. They do not read. And so when you, know, when you said, can you read this? Can you see this? We were only talking about the letters. They had no idea what the letters meant. Does the letter go this way? Does the letter go this way? Um, but they're an oral culture. And so we would tell stories. In fact, one man said, he said, I will tell this story to other people. It's really cool. And he hadn't made the connection of who Jesus was, but he's going to pass on the story of Jesus to other people. And that's how it happens. Um, Simon Peter, the pastor there, will tell these stories. and These stories will be passed on to other generations. It's just an incredible, incredible process. Now, I want to leave you with something. The villages we were in, um, all of them really had ample water. 
Um, there was one place where one part of the compound, each compound had a well of their own. Each village had at least one well, and most of them, the one we stayed in, had three different wells put in by Denmark and Canada and one other, India, in India. And so water was not a big concern in these villages, um, but food really is. Um, um, Steve, you know the, the mud, mud cookies? Okay, the, the banyan fruit is their version of the mud cookie. And there's really not any any food value in the banyan fruit, but it fills you up. And so you would eat this, and at least you would be, you know, you would feel full. And so hunger is a real need. Now, in the part of Mali we were in, there's going to be hunger this year, but I think I could say safely it's going to be manageable hunger. But I want to share something with you. I shared briefly on Wednesday night. There's a great need coming up that we need to be a part of. Um, Judy Miller made a trip up to um, up near the border of another country. It's a northern, northeastern Mali. And for some reason, that area did not get the rains. And there, the UN, the national food organizations have all got on board and said, there is a disaster in the making. Thousands of people are going to die unless we do something. We need to be very proactive. And I'm very glad to report to you that Southern Baptists are being very proactive. Judy Miller and her supervisors are writing up a project, a hunger project, and we will be taking money and be able, it appears to designate it for that specific project. Now, let me give you the scope of the project. Don't hang on to your, your pew. We're talking about a little over $200,000. Now, we obviously can't raise that kind of money. But I know the heart of Dorisville and some of the other hearts that are represented here, and we can make a very, very big difference in this amount of money. So I'm asking you to begin praying now, God, what would you want to happen in my heart to help the starving people that's going to be happening, knowing that the food will be given in the name of Jesus Christ? Again, you feed a person and don't tell them about Jesus, you send them to hell fat. But you feed a person and tell them about Jesus and you fatten him. And perhaps send him to heaven. So I want to ask you to pray. Begin praying. What can our church do? What can your church do to help the famine relief that's coming up quickly? Probably in the next couple of three weeks, would you say? We'll have some specific details about that. We'll establish a fund for the Africa famine relief. And every dollar you give there will go for food. This is one of those deals like Lottie Moon. If you're Southern Baptist, Lottie Moon. These dollars don't go to some guy in Atlanta. They don't go for publicity. Every dollar you give for Africa Family Relief will go on the field and it will make a difference in some child, some man, some woman's life. So I hope you'll be praying about that. Now, let me quit by simply saying this. Thank you. Thank you for allowing this team to go. Uh, I just want to tell you, I've done, I think it's like eight trips to Africa. And I want to tell you, this by far was the most rewarding and the most enriching to me personally. And I think to our team. Um, we saw numbers that we could not believe. And I just got, can I tell you one more quick story? has nothing to do. We keep talking about the providence of God. Satan tried two times to really mess with our heads. And I'm going to tell you both of them. Give me, give me four minutes. One of our vehicles was driving down the road. And a motorcycle was in the middle of the road. And she was coming behind him. She beat. He ignored her. And then turned into her and hit her truck. And um, amazingly, he was able to stay up. Uh, got down, he, he banged up his knee just a little bit. But it really could have been, guys, it could have been real bad. If he'd have gone down, it would have been very bad. But anyway, he was very angry. It wasn't our fault. It wasn't the other driver's fault. Um, but, but he was angry at that white American. And so I want to go to the hospital. I want to go to the hospital. And finally, Jim Miller said, fine, we'll go to the hospital. And this meant a two-hour delay for us. And we're on our way back into to Bamako. 
So we went, we waited at the wrong hospital. We finally sent someone to the nice hospital you saw. And they say, hey, he's just showed up. And um, so, so we go there. We go inside. And, and people said, we can't treat you without a police report. And so the police, police station's right over there. You know, go down. And so Judy Miller, through the interpreter, actually had the interpreter say, do you really want to pursue this? Do you really want to do this? And here's what he said. He said, no. He said, now I know you really cared about me. He didn't expect us to show up. I want to tell you something. I was proud of our missionary who said, we will wait at the hospital. And she showed that Jesus people are different. Because the average African or two Bob, white person, they wouldn't have shown up. There were no tag numbers taken down. We could have drove right on back to Bamako. But we are praying that they, he saw something different in those white people because they walked the Jesus road. That could have been a tragedy that God averted. But here's one even more scary. We are, I think it's, it's now Saturday, so we're back in town. And we're about a block and a half from Judy Miller's compound. And she's driving along. And out of nowhere, probably a, a 20-month-old baby runs in front of her truck. She slid for 15 feet on sand. And we are convinced, guys, that God put his hand out. The child was pushed to the ground away from the vehicle, but not injured. And you don't understand how close it was. You weren't there. But it was the hand of God. And it's like God said to Satan, no, I will not let you rob this victory. And our God intervened in a tremendous way. And like Matt said, the same God who arranged for the medicine calls, the, range, the same God who works on the details is the God who is working to win these people to Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, again, please understand. I want you to go on with this. Two blocks north, two blocks south, two blocks east, two blocks west, there are lost people. The Great Commission says, reach them. Reach the ones in Chicago. Reach the ones in Canada. Reach the ones in Haiti. Reach the ones in Nicaragua. Reach the ones in Jordan. And reach the ones in Mali. We are to be God's ambassadors all over this world. It's our calling. It's what we were created to do. And we thank God. That we serve in churches that have bought into that. Amen? Amen. Thank you so much for coming tonight. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. I want to lead us in a closing prayer. Again, please keep the Africa Famine Relief Fund in your heart and mind. We'll be getting details out that. If you go to Dorsfield, I'm sure first and other churches, Metropolis first. I'm sure you'll all be getting details about that. How we can make a difference in the lives of those people there. Let's pray. Well, Father, you are more than wonderful. Jesus, you are simply incredible. I'm amazed at how you stop the hand of Satan. What he means for evil, you turn into good. We thank you for the privilege that was ours to get the African dust on our feet. For Brother Madden giving up time away from his family and his office and touching the lives of those people there. For Ben and Nan. And Mary Lynn and Tanya touching in the eye ministry and the pharmacy. For the word of Jesus, the name of Jesus, being taught and prayed over those children and over those families. Father, thank you for that. For Hawa tonight. 
Oh, how I wish I knew, Father, that already you had delivered her from the hands of the enemy. Father, we pray for the Malian people that they may come to know Jesus. Father, there's a great need brewing. And it's our responsibility to respond. So, God, in the coming days and weeks, may we rise to the occasion. May we give that they may have physical bread, that they may hear about the bread of life. Thank you, God, for being incredible. Thank these ones who came out tonight. Father, thank you for this good day that you have given us. We love you and we praise you, Jesus, and ask it in your name. And all God's people said, Amen. God bless you. Thanks for being here tonight.